Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so so glad that you're here. You made it through the storm. Anybody in the storm this past week? Anybody? Wow, it was something else, wasn't it? And some of you, anybody out of electricity this past week? Yeah. So that was, that's a real deal. So I'm glad that you made it through the storm. Uh, well, you know me, I like to start with something funny. And so not always spiritual, but something funny. I heard about this husband. He was quietly sitting in his lazy boy. And all of a sudden, his wife came up with a frying pan and whopped him upside the head. And as he came back, uh, came to, she, he said, why in the world did you do that? She said, because I went in your pockets and I found a name, Mary Lou, written in, on a piece of paper in your, on your pocket. He said, that's just the name of the horse that I bet on last week at the track. A few days later, she came with a bigger frying pan and whopped him on the head. And when he came to, he said, what was that about? She said, your horse just called. <laughs> So uh, I think maybe the scripture for that is be sure your sins will find you out or watch out what kind of frying pan your wife has. Or maybe don't even go there at all. Well, well, let's get started. You know, it is summertime. And how many of you have been to the beach? Anybody been to the beach thus far? How about this? How many of you are planning on? By the end of the summer, I want to have my toes in the water. Yes. That's a good thing. I think, you know, we're just so close to the beach, so that's just kind of a natural thing for us. And so what's your, what's, let's do a quick um, poll here. How many of you would say your favorite beach is Hilton Head? Let me see your hands. Okay. Got a lot of Hilton Head. How about Tybee Island? Anybody at Georgia Beach folks? I've got a few of those. Anybody uh, over to Myrtle Beach? When I was growing up, we all went to Myrtle Beach. Not very many Myrtle Beach folks here. Anybody like Daytona? You like Florida beaches? How about the Gulf Coast? Anybody travel down to the Gulf? Wow. The Gulf Coast wins today. Anybody ever heard of Edisto? Anybody been to Edisto before? Got a couple of you. But, man, I am shocked the Gulf Coast wins. You know, um, I've always enjoyed going to the beach. And when Patty and I think about beaches, there's not one we don't like. You know, we just we like to feel um, the sun coming down. We like to put our, our feet in the water. We like that. But, you know, have you ever noticed that when you're out swimming in the ocean that there's a tendency for you to drift? I mean, the current takes you down uh, the coast from the place that you, you got in. That you just, you just drift, and, and you're going in, and you're going out of the water, and every time you go in and out of the water, whether it's on a boogie board or you're just uh, swimming, that you notice that you go further and further, and then if you're not careful, you, you wake up and you say, wait a minute, where, where did my beach chairs go? You know, where's the condo? Somebody moved the condo. Where's it at? Because what you've noticed is that over a period of time, you have just drifted. And the reason you drift is because there is an undertow. There's an undercurrent that that has pulled you further and further from the place where you got in. 
You know, the same is true about your spiritual life. There's a current that has this tendency to take you away from where you need to be. And you need to understand that most headline-worthy, tabloid-worthy, scandalous sins in our lives just don't happen overnight. They gradually happen over time because there's this current, there's this tendency that causes us to drift. Little by little, we start drifting. And at first, when we start drifting, we make some excuses along the way. And we create with these excuses, and these excuses have a way of just calming in, uh, us. And, and we start to think, well, you know, I, I, this happened when I moved in, uh, to this other town. Or maybe this happened when I started going to college. Or maybe this happened when I started dating this person or that person. Or maybe this happened when I stopped reading my Bible or I, I stopped going to church. But over time, there has been this slow erosion And sometimes it takes months or even years, but then we notice that somebody moved our beach chairs. We we notice that what the surroundings that we're looking at look so unfamiliar to us. Because over time, we have drifted away from the place that we got in. And we find ourselves doing those things and, and... being at a place that we never dreamed that we would be. Well, that's the backdrop of a story that I'm going to talk to you about that comes from the Old Testament book of Exodus, chapter 32. It's a story about uh, the children of Israel. The very word Exodus means coming out. It's their story about coming out of uh, slavery and out of bondage into freedom. When you look at the book of Exodus, it's really our story. Because you see, all of us have been uh, enslaved by our own choices, by our sins, and all the negative things of this world, and that in Christ we come to freedom. And so we read their story, but there's an element of our story embedded into their story, and that's why we even open up the pages of the Old Testament, because they give us stories that relate to where we live. And so this story is a unique one. In fact, uh, it's been a long time since I've uh, spoken from Exodus chap- chapter 20, uh, 32, maybe like 20 years. And so um, it's just interesting. But here's the backdrop. God raised Moses up to deliver the uh, children of Israel from Egypt. So he does that. And, he, and God uses some uh, miraculous plagues or miracles, though, actually, the ten plagues. And Pharaoh says, Uh, I'm not going to let them go. And then Moses said, let my people go. And then all of a sudden these things start happening, like the water turns to blood, frogs happen, you know, leprosy happens, just 10 different plagues. Uh, Finally, uh, Pharaoh said, hey, take them. And so uh, they they leave that, and then they come to a place where uh, God parts the Red Sea. Big miracle, uh, big story. And even even if you don't know the Bible, you may know this story because uh, Walt Disney did The Prince of Egypt years ago. This is the story. Uh, um, uh, that story is from the Bible, is just, and it's an animated story from the Bible. And so anyway, that's uh, where we're talking about. So they are moving toward the promised land, and they camp around Mount Sinai. Now, Mount Sinai is the place where God 
uh, calls Moses up and he gives them the Ten Commandments. Okay? And so Moses is up on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for 40 days. He's getting the Ten Commandments. God is taking his finger and writing on the stone. Um, And while he is up there, the people start to drift. The people start to drift. They drift back into their old habits. They fell back into the way that they were living. Now, Aaron is in charge. He's the leader while Moses is uh, on the mountain. Aaron and Moses are physical brothers, okay? So he left the leadership role in, uh, in Aaron's hands, and Aaron's there to responsibility to lead the children of Israel. Now, this is a big responsibility because there are 2 million people camped right here. Big group of folks. So that's the background, and so we pick up the story, chapter 32, that's the background, verse 1. Now, when the people saw that Moses was so long and coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, hey, come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow, this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't even know what happened to him. And so Aaron responded. He said, here's what I need you to do. I want you to take off your gold earrings that your wives and your sons and daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. And he took them, he took what they had handed and he made it into an idol in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. And they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and uh, announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings, presented fellowship offerings, and afterwards they sat down to eat and to drink, and they got up to indulge in revelry, which means they had this mass-scale orgy going on. And so at this point... The people were spinning out of control. They had drifted, but I am telling you, this occurrence uh, was in fast forward. They had drifted completely out of control. And you see that they had gathered and they went to a place that they never thought they would go. They went to a place where they're saying, Aaron, make us God so that we can worship these gods. They drift. And at this point, Aaron's in leadership place, and um, he's feeling the pressure, the pressure of the crowd. There are some of you today that are feeling the pressure of the crowd. And the crowd around you is getting you to drift one way or another. The crowd around you is trying to get you to go places where you never dreamed you would go. That you would do things that you never dreamed that you would do. It's the pressure of the group. The pressure of the group. And you feel squeezed by this pressure. And when you think about your next step, you're trying to figure out the path of least resistance. I just want to get through this. I just want to get on the other side. And you find yourself looking for the path of least resistance because you've been taught it's just better to go with 
the flow. Now, sometimes it is better to go with the flow. But in this particular situation, this is not one of those times. Because in this particular situation, the crowd is pushing Aaron to lead the group into a pathway that is contrary to what God has intended for their best life. It's taken them down the wrong path. And so they feel this pressure. And I'm sure that they're, Aaron's thinking, let me get out of this thing. Let me just go the path of least resistance. We'll get through this. Here's what it is saying to you and me. Because we struggle with this crowd, this pressure. And here's the point I want you to remember. Never settle for the path of least resistance. I need you to make a decision to do what is right and not necessarily what is easy. You will have to make some decisions this week. Some of those decisions deal with relationships. And some of those decisions deal with work challenges. Some of those decisions deal with issues or voices that you're hearing inside of your head. Okay? And there's this battle that's going on. And I am just saying, I want you to make the right choice. And sometimes the right choice is the difficult choice. It's the hard choice. It's not the easy choice. But Aaron, in this situation, he just gives in to the path of least resistance. He said, okay, whatever you want. And he neglects his duty. He had been placed in responsibility while Moses was away. He was the person that was in charge. It was his responsibility to lead the people. But he threw up his hands. He said, I just can't go there. And here's the next verse. And so Moses is up on the mountain. And he wasn't even a part of this. We get up next, verse 7. Then the Lord said to Moses, I need you to go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt, they have become, notice the verse, they have become corrupt. And they have been quick to turn away. That's interesting, isn't it? Quick to turn away from what I've commanded how many times have we been quick to go in the wrong direction? You know, we had this opportunity and we, we've quit. We said, whoa, and we've just been quick to turn away. He said, turn away from what I've commanded them. And I, they made themselves into an idol. Now, granted, most of us are not going this afternoon taking our jewelry and melting it down to an idol that we can worship. We would never do that. My goodness. But in our day, idols are made differently, but they're still idols. Idols could be an experience. Idols could be a job. Idols could be uh, a possession. You know, idols are anything that we put ahead of God. That this thing over here is more important than our relationship with God. Uh, Sometimes that's a relationship. That this relationship I'm in is more important than my spiritual life. Uh, always put God first, and then all these other things will fall into uh, place. But um, you made themselves an idol and cast it into the shape of a calf. So the people drifted. They decided that, hey, we don't want to follow the Lord. 
And Moses went down to the mountains and he confronted Aaron in this very moving confrontation where all the eyes were on Moses and they could see his anger and they could sense his disappointment and they could sense his frustration as he is responding to their choices. <coughs> years and years, decades ago, uh, Walt Disney used to have uh, Sunday night movie night. And I can remember as a kid getting, uh, we used to have Sunday night church and we'd go to Sunday night church and then we'd come back and, and we'd watch this. And, and uh, they had movies and um, occasionally they would uh, do a movie that starred Charlton Heston. It's the Ten Commandments. Now this is as cheesy as they come and this is an overstatement, but sometimes it's fun just to look back and to see uh, where our movie making abilities have come from. And so they did a, a movie on this story, and this is a glimpse of what it could have been like, but it probably wasn't like, okay? Woe unto thee, O Israel! You have sinned a great sin in the sight of God. You are not worthy to receive these Ten Commandments. <laughs> We will not live by your commandments. We're free. There is no freedom without the law. Whose law, Moses? Yours? Did you carve those tablets to become a prince over us? Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come to me. Blasphemers, idolaters. For this you shall drink bitter waters. God has set before you this day his laws of life and good and death and evil. Those who will not live by the law shall die by the law. That's pretty dramatic, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not sure if it happened that way, but that's how Hollywood interpreted it back in the 60s. Anyway, the Bible said uh, that Moses said to Aaron, what did these people do to you that you led them into such a great sin? And at this point, Aaron has an opportunity to take responsibility here. But instead of embracing the responsibility, Aaron shuns it. He shuns the responsibility here, and he, he approaches his brother. He says, oh, don't be angry with me, my Lord. Now, these guys are brothers. They're physical brothers. And, and, and what Aaron is saying here, when he uses the word my Lord here, he's trying to say, hey, buddy, you need to calm down. You know, mom always said you had problems with your anger. And this is an opportunity. You just need to take a deep breath and you just need to calm down. And what Aaron is doing here, by using that title, he's trying to just say, take a deep breath. He's trying to uh, get him to calm down and be, um, um, to settle down in this situation. But um, he says, don't be angry, my Lord. He said, you know how prone these people are to evil. 
And then he says, they came to me and they said, make us a God who will go before us as for this fellow Moses. This is interesting too. This, uh, these two words, if you want to go a little bit deeper in that, this fellow Moses, this was the way that they were disrespecting Moses and his leadership. And it's just, if you look in the original, this fellow Moses who brought us out of the, we don't even know what's happened to him. And so he is telling this to him and what he is doing, Aaron is passing the buck. He's saying, uh, it's not me, it wasn't my, I didn't, it, it was them. He's passing the buck here. He's refusing to accept responsibility here. There's so many times in all of our lives where we have an opportunity to step up and take responsibility, but we don't do it. Instead of doing that, we pass the buck. We become like Aaron. We said, oh, it's somebody else's responsibility. They're the ones that, that we're playing the blame game. We're blaming somebody else for the problems that we are facing. Now, granted, a lot of people do cause us problems, but how are we responding to that? What is our part to play? In this situation, Aaron was passing the buck. He was not embracing the responsibility of that. And what I want you to understand is that there will be times, maybe even this week, where you will be given an opportunity to take responsibility for something. And when you do that, it's going to be hard. Um, it will be challenging. But if you will take the responsibility and you will lead through this situation, you will become a better person. And I believe that God will take you to a, a, a higher place of responsibility or leadership. Now, when I talk about leadership here, a lot of times you hear the word and you want to check out, but you've got to understand when I speak of leadership, I speak of influence, that you are a leader, meaning you are a person of influence. Some of that is in the home, some of that is in a, a friend circle, some of that is at work or in the neighborhood or so forth. And so you have this opportunity to lead this week. And you will lead by taking responsibility for this situation. Here's the point. When you stop making excuses and you start taking responsibility, I believe that your life will change for the better. When you stop making excuses and start taking responsibility, I believe that your life, your life will get better. Your life will change for the better. Effective leaders take responsibility. Ineffective leaders shun responsibility. We see here Aaron was an ineffective leader. He shunned the responsibility, but Moses embraced the responsibility. It reminds me of this story about this church getting a new pastor in to lead the congregation. And so part of the transition is the new pastor met with the old pastor. It was kind of like the changing of the guard. It's the passing of the baton. And they meet together. And during this meeting, the old pastor says, here, here are three envelopes. I do not want you to open these envelopes until you have to. If there's a problem in the church, you open the first envelope. And I believe uh, this will help you get through the problem. He kind of smiled, put him in a desk drawer, didn't think too much about it. And about nine months into his this new pastorate, it starts to unravel. The honeymoon's over at this point, and, and he feels the pressure from the people. 
So he goes to his desk, opens it up, pulls out the number one envelope, and, and here's what the guy said. He says, blame me, blame your predecessor. And so all of a sudden he said, you know, the problems we're having at the church is because that last guy. It's because he brought us in and everything. Uh, he blamed the last guy. And so everything calmed down. He thought, man, that worked. There became peace in the, in the congregation. But then a few months passed and it, something else stirred it up then. And he couldn't navigate it, so he went back to the desk drawer, and he opened the desk drawer. He got number two. He opened it up. It said, blame the elders. It's the elders' problem. And so that's what he did. He said, it's the elders that you've elected in this church. They're the problem here. And all of a sudden, people said, maybe right, and it calmed down. But the next time, it started to swell up again. And so he said, oh, my goodness. He goes to his desk, opens it up. He opens up envelope number three, and it says, prepare three envelopes. <laughs> the lesson of the story is that you can't continue to pass the buck. You can't continue to pass uh, uh, to blame it on the last guy or to blame it on this group over here, but there will come a point in your life where you've got to say, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to deal with this. And so the question that we have to struggle with today is this. Where do you need to take responsibility? Is there an area in your life that's crying out for attention? Is there uh, an area that, that needs you to step up and take responsibility? Let's start at home. Are your kids begging you to step in and create order? Your house seems out of control, and you're, the reason it's out of your control is because your kids are waking up saying, please take order. Please establish peace in this house. You can make excuses over and over, saying, that, oh, you know, kids will be kids and so forth, and I did worse than that when I was a kid, and, and all of that. But could it be that you have this opportunity right now to establish peace and to establish order in your household? And it's going to be hard, it's going to be difficult, it's going to cost you extra effort. And you're putting your kids in timeout, but really you're putting yourself in timeout and all of that. But yet, could it be they're asking for that? Look at your job. Are you taking responsibility? Are you saying, I'm going to do what needs to be done here. I am going to step up. And I'm going to be the person of influence. And I'm going to stand up for what's right here. And I'm going to stand up for what's right. And I believe what's right is going to be profitability to our office. Look at your spiritual life. Are you growing in your faith? Could it be that this summer, you're, God is prompting you that this is the summer to take responsibility for spiritual growth? You see, Aaron made excuses, but Moses called people to action. In that video clip, Moses was calling people. He said, if you want to follow the Lord, come. And the Levites came and followed him. The Levites took a step and they came toward God. Others ran away from him. Here's the point. I want you to take a step. I want you to take a step of faith. 
Because I believe that you are one decision away from a totally different life. Hear that. I want you to take a step. A take a step means that you're, you're going to go somewhere that maybe you've never been before, and you've got to trust God He's going to go with you. That's what faith is. I want you to take that step of faith because I believe you are one decision. One decision away from a totally different life. One decision away. And for some of you, that one decision may be a decision of repentance. Now, you hear that word, and what, it's a religious word, but what does repentance mean? You make the decision to repent. All that means is you're walking in one direction, and you turn around, and you walk in a new direction. It's not a bad word. It's a good word. You're walking in one dis- direction. You turn around. The act of turning is called conversion, and then you start walking in a different direction. You repent. You, you do an about-face. You're walking down a path that's going to lead to problems. It's going to lead to pain. And what God is saying is, I want you to go on a path that's going to lead to peace. Okay? Because here's the issue. There's a tendency to drift. We get in the water, and we get out, and we get in, and we get out, and we get in, we get out. And before you know it, we look up. And we are not where we started, but we have drifted down the coast. So let's say you're drifted. You're one prayer away from your life being changed. I believe your life can be changed. In fact, I believe there's three things that you can do today that will help you find your way back to God. There are three things that you can do today to help you find your way back to God. Here's the first one, to help you stop drifting, to help you take control of your life. The very first one is to admit it. To admit it. To admit it, that recognize that you are out of control. And so that's the, the, the responsibility we have is to examine our lives and to be as honest as we can be, uh, about where we are. You're drifting. So what caused you to drift? What controls you at this moment? What has its hands on you? You're out of control. And today is the day for you to confess that. Today is the day for you to own up. Man, I can't control this situation. I can't control this person. I can't control this job. I can't control my kids. I can't control this behavior. I want you to admit whatever that thing is. And it will be different things for different ones of us. Okay? We all struggle with something. We all struggle with something. So admit the struggle. The struggle is real. So what is that thing? The second thing is I want you to surrender it. I want you to turn your will and your life over to the care of God. I want you to surrender. I often use the word submit. Submission is an invitation for someone else to lead. So we're going to surrender this to God. I want you to take the leadership in this situation. I'm giving you my will. I'm giving you my life. I'm giving it over to your, your care. I want you to take control. And the third thing. I need you to tell somebody that you're taking the step. Tell somebody. I want you to find a friend to hold you 
accountable to making this change. And this step is where the change actually begins. That when you go to that friend and say, look, I am changing. I'm admitting I have a problem. I've given it over to the Lord. I need your help. I need your encouragement to keep, the encouragement to keep me accountable. This is the message of James chapter 5. It says, And the prayer of faith offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There's something about confessing it to a friend and, and praying for a friend. There's something about that. Today is your day because you've drifted. You are not at the same place that you were when you got in. And God has given you an opportunity to come back home. Because some of you walked in this room today and you're just lost. You're lost. And you're going to stay in this lost place until you're willing to take responsibility and to admit it. You're going to stay in this. And I'm telling you, I just don't want you to stay there. I want your life to be better than it is. I want your life to be better than it is. And for it to be better is that you need to turn toward the Lord. You need to turn to Him. Will you do that? Just consider that today. Consider, say, God, I'm turning this over to you. I'm giving my life to you. And if you will do that, I believe it will be the first step that will help bring change and encouragement and peace to your life. Now, I want to pray over you today. And as I pray over you, I think this prayer will uh, touch different people in different ways. Because I am believing that the Holy Spirit is going to anoint the words that I pray over you. And I just need you to say, God, I receive what you have for me. And maybe this starts a conversation. Maybe some of this conversation is, God, save me. God, forgive me. God, help me. God, guide me. Whatever those words are for you. But mainly, God, I'm giving my life to you. And I receive what you have for me. Okay? Can I pray for you? Just bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these people sitting in this room for those in our video venue, for those watching online. Lord, let your presence be strong in this room. God, we know the struggle is real. And there are people in this room that are struggling. And so, Lord, as they call uh, out your name and as they say, help me. Help me with whatever that thing is. Help me with this addiction. Help me with this relationship. Help me get a job. Help me uh, find faith. Whatever that thing is, God, I pray right now that as we cry out to you, that you would release your strength and your grace and your mercy upon us. And God, we receive what you have for us. So today, Father, say this, say we receive forgiveness of our sins. 
Today we receive strength for our lives. We receive healing for our mind and soul and body. God, we receive help. Come and move upon us. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this room. And I just pray. I pray that you just touch people right here. And that we're not going to rush right out of this room. We're not going to rush right out of this moment. But this is a moment where we just breathe in your presence. We just breathe in your spirit. That this is a moment where we surrender and we give all the junk and all the pain and all the, the difficulty. We just give that over to you. And we give this relationship and we give this problem and we give this over to you. Father, we release this in Jesus' name. That this is the day that we're taking that step. That we believe that this is the day that our lives are going to change because we are turning to you. We're taking responsibility. And we just thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. And we receive this. Say that. We receive this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.